0: I used to work at an organization called Red Store. I was in sales, and we had this uh, lady that was in reception. Her name was Denise, and she was amazing. She was my work mama. I always just say, hey, mama. She was my work mama. She would feed us. She would organize things, like if it was your birthday, she'd put special stuff up on your computer. She'd come in after hours and do it so that you didn't see it. She really had the most wonderful heart. She also knew how and when to bring food which is awesome, because Denise was a feeder. So Chantelle always says, if I'm starting to get, to get stressed, she says, I'll make you a nice meal, go and have a nap, and you'll feel better. So I'm very much like Elijah in that, where she's my ministering angels. Um, so she would always, just like on a Friday, she'd bring some donuts, or she'd bring in some mixed pies, and she was really such a blessing to me. And I really do miss her. Um, as, as my work mama, because my, my home mama is far more concerned about my waistline, so the donuts and the pies don't arrive quite as regularly as Denise did. Um, but one of the things that I remembered about her most was that she wore quite an expensive perfume. She always smelled nice, and one of the things about it is that if you'd give her a hug, and it was a Jostian hug, you know, the side hug, because you don't know, you know, Sidon hi, hey, how's it? You like her? We do the side-on hug, and you'd walk away, but you'd smell like her. You know what it's like, hey? if those of you who've worn expensive cologne, expensive perfume, it's, it's like it seeps through you onto someone else, and I'd walk away, and I'd be like, ooh, I smell like her. And that's all right if you're a lady. It's not so lucky like if you're a guy. You know, you walk into a business meeting, and I was like, what's that smell? <laughs> not me. And um, And I think that's the illustration of something that I want to I encourage us with this morning, and I want to talk through this morning, um, and, and, and have us grapple with, with two concepts here, and if you wanted to give the preacher um, a, a title, you could say, is my personal sin personal? Is my personal sin personal, or does it actually extend to others? Does my sin affect the church? Does it affect my family? Does it affect my wife and my children? Um, and do the things that I do, good or bad, have a result that could actually impact the lives of others. And there is, there really is. And, and I'm going to look at two examples, both from the book of Joshua, one where somebody made good choices and had a great outcome, and one where there was some other choices that were made and a different outcome was there. So if we could go to just quickly to Joshua 2 verse 1, I'll just use this as a bit of a setting, And Joshua, the son of Lund, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and they came into the house of uh, a prostitute whose name was Rahab Rahab, and lodged there. So the context of this is the, the... Joshua's just taken over as leader of the Israelites. They're camped on the Jordan. They're about to enter into the promised land, and before them is a fortified city. I mean, I'm sure many of you guys know it. If you don't, it's a great story, very encouraging to me. Be bold and very courageous, said the Lord. And God is is basically, he's given them the city, but, but... Joshua sends two spies in to just go and have a look around, and he obviously at this stage doesn't know exactly how the victory is going to come, so he's looking for vulnerabilities, he's looking for weak spots, and he sends the spies in, and the spies go and have a look, but obviously the, the enemy has heard about this, so they are now trying to find these guys, and Rahab, who obviously is a lady of ill repute, is a sinner, is very much a picture of us, actually gives refuge and safety to these two men, um, and, uh, and when she does so, there's almost a sense that she's actually recognizing the authority of God. Because what she actually says to them, and I think it might be in 12, uh, 12 to 13 there, the next one. Um, okay, no, sorry, I'll that's, uh, just keep that up. So basically what happens is she, she recognizes that these are the Israelites. And they've heard the stories in the city about how God parted the ocean for the Israelites to escape Egypt, and they are afraid. In fact, the, war, the, the word says that the hot oil were melting, like the, the people were afraid, and she, she sees and she identifies the oh, holy on, God is with these men. So she hides them, and when she does, she says, So you can put that up. She says this to him She says, Now then, swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save a life. I've read that twice. I'm like, save a love. I don't know how you save dead. But save a love. my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So in a sense, she's, she's, she's bowing her knee and saying, guys, I'll help you, but promise me you're going to save me. Promise you'll save my family. And almost... There's a sense of through her individual actions, there's a knock-on effect to her family. There's a a sense of she's attracting the blessing of heaven by protecting and honoring the men of God, and she actually attracts a blessing that extends to her family, and her family probably wasn't even aware of what she'd done. In fact, they may not even have been aware of the fact that impending doom is like knocking at the door. The Israelites are there, there's a million and they're coming, and this is the next city, and they've got to win the city to come into the inheritance. And it's very much the same with us. Very much the same with us. Often the unseen, the, the, often the blessing that we get to enjoy as a body is one in silent places that you and I will never see. It's the silent bits of, of faithfulness, of diligence, of faith, of, 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 um, of acting the right, making the right choices, showing character and integrity when nobody's watching that the Lord is looking at. And he goes, I can bless that. And he sends blessing upon the body, similarly to what he did with rab. So if we read in Joshua 6, verse 20 to 24, this is, this is it. Now the battle has begun. It's on and the guys are coming. And it says, so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted in a great, great shout and the wall fell down flat. Now this is not a small wall. We're talking about a wall that the historians say was so thick that you could ride a chariot on the top of it. This is a massive wall. It falls flat at a shout because God is with these people. The wall falls flat, and the people went up into the city, every man straight, um, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen and sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But, two, but the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go to the to prostitute's house and bring out from, from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men went, uh, uh, Young men who had been with the spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives out and put them outside of Israel. Salvation. Salvation through obedience and sacrifice, self-sacrifice, putting her own life at risk to help these men brings an unseen blessing upon a family where we see just in the verses previous, they killed even the oxen and the donkeys and the, the livestock were completely obliterated. They were, they were a symbol of sin being completely obliterated by the Lord. Amazing. And one of the things that the Lord said is that, there we go, and they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the Lord. The only thing that wasn't destroyed was the treasure. Keep that in mind. Put a little pin in that. Put a little bookmark there. We're going to come back, and we're coming back pretty soon. So you're probably thinking, well, look at that and going, well, yeah, I'm a good guy. Rian's a nice oak, man. He's older. He's got a lack of hairstyle. He's a good guy. He doesn't murder. He doesn't steal. He's not embezzling millions. You know, and, but might, and he might think, and you might think, and I might think, well, I'm actually a good guy. I don't, I'm a good lady. I don't do bad things. Sure, I've got like a little something. You know, every now and again, I can... I can I can have something to say about somebody that's not present. I can slip a little word in. I can, I can go, actually, you know what? Mm, guys, I don't know if I really, you know, I know Sean said that I should do that, but I don't know if I should eh? actually. What does he know? I'm my own boss of my own life. I mean, he doesn't really care for me. Or maybe God has told you to do something, and you just simply don't. And you think, but how could that affect anybody else? It's my personal sin. It's just me. Does it really affect everybody else? Can it affect everybody else? Well, I'm going to try and use an example to say to you that I do believe your individual personal sin affects all of us. And let's go back to Joshua. Let's go back to Jericho. So the walls are down, and the, and the people are in, and the, the, the town's been taken, or the city's been taken, and, and God gives a command through a man. He says, but keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have them devoted, sorry, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make a camp out of Israel, a thing for destruction, and bring trouble upon it. Now, as I go through the story, you're going to see that the Lord actually through Joshua is prophesying actually there, because what the exact thing that he's told them not to, they're going to do. Now remember, they've killed everything, and they've only left one thing, which is treasure. And God says, don't touch the treasure. And he uses the leader, Joshua, to speak to the people. He says, people, don't take the treasure. And everyone goes, cool, no problem. So they they bring it all, and they put it into the treasury, which is fantastic. So all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go to the treasury clear command. Does anyone not understand that? You don't need to study the Greek and the Hebrew to understand. That's very, very clear. Take everything, put it in the treasury. So if I read, the, as I was reading it, I'm going like, oh, cool. Things sound quite good. They won the victory and, uh, and God must be with them. And even the very last scripture, the very last sentence in Joshua 6 says, so the Lord was with Joshua. And his fame was in all the land. Yo, oh, come on. I would love to have that. Imagine that. The Lord is with Sean and his fame is in all the land. Oh, wow, man, that can be my mission statement. That can, I would, I'm pumped, bro. I'm like, come on. God is with me. And my fame is in all the land. This is incredible. But then, <laughs> you change the page. You literally just turn the page. And we go to Joshua 7, verse 1, and let's see what that says. Now remember what's just been said. The Lord is with Joshua, and his fame is in all the land. The Lord is with him. And the very next sentence says, But the people of Israel broke faith. In regard to the devoted things, what did he say don't do? Don't take the treasure. What have they done? They took the treasure. For Achan, the son of Kami, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, a lot of sons of the tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people. We've gone one sentence in this historical story and it's gone from God was with Joshua to the anger of the Lord is now burning against the people. <laughs> now if that's quick for me. Imagine how quick this is for, for Joshua. In fact, I'm imagining, as I'm playing the story out, I mean, you can't just read these stories and go, wow, that's a lovely story, Hansel and Gretel. This is actual, like, you've got to read this, going, like, if I was there, how would that feel? So Joshua, is he's just chucking along, man. He's going, he's got the army with him, the Lord is with him, and they come to the next town that needs to be taken because they're taking possession of the land one location at a time. And as a good strategist, he gets his spies again. He says, boys, go and check it out. Let's have a look. Which angle are we coming from here? This is good stuff. Army recon does these things. They'll jump into occupied territory. They'll go and have a look and see, okay, we've got a hole in the wall over there. They've only got ground support on that side. So if we come in with airplanes, we can bomb them. You know, we're going to devise our strategy. And he sends his boys out, and they go and do a little recce, and they come back, and they go, this is easy, baby. We've got this. We don't even have to send our whole army. Just send two or 3,000 guys in. We'll clean this thing up. There's only a few of them. I don't know how many. I tried to research to see how many, but there's only a few. So let's assume it's 100 or 200 men, fighting men that are there. So Joshua says, well, the Lord is with me. We're free of sin. I've got a huge army. I've got millions behind me. Send in the 3,000. And the 3,000 go in, and very, very quickly, the Bible says, 36 men get chopped down. (laughs) By the few, to the point that the thousands turn and run, and it says that their hearts melted. Their hearts melted and became as water. This is an army of millions, it's sh- hundreds of thousands, and their hearts are. Like, oh, oh. The small group of men have just defeated us. We've just beaten Jericho with these walls, and now we're in trouble. And Joshua, being the man that he is, he's obviously going, what is going on? I've just clapped a whole city by the shouting. I've sent my fiercest men into battle, and they've been defeated. What's going on? So I'm sure for him, he's probably gathering the guys. If it was happening with us, I'd be going, come, we need to. What's happening in your life? What's happening in my life? Are we okay? Yes, we're right. He gets the elders together, and they gather, and they're starting to try and work out what's going on. And Joshua gets so desperate that he gets on the floor and he starts going, God, do you know what? If you don't do something, the other tribes and nations, just as much as they were afraid of us in Jericho because of the victory you gave us in the Red Sea, they're going to hear that these few guys defeated our whole army and they're coming and it's your name that's in trouble. <laughs> Aren't we yes, we're a funny bunch of people? us. So let's read God's response in Joshua 7. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, but it's, um, I actually gave, uh, it's Joshua 7, 10 to 12. Sorry, uh, Trev. It might have come up as Joshua 10, 12. Joshua 7, verse 10 to 12. I'll go back there. Pause for effect. Joshua's, he's lying down on his face before the Lord and actually going, these are actually gonna come and get us. That we're, we're in trouble. We've hit our first snag and we're in trouble, please. And the Lord says to him, get up. Why are you in your face? How many of you know God like that? Huh? Oh, my little child. Oh, Come to stand up. He doesn't do that. He goes, get up. Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. And they have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put amongst their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more. Joshua 6, verse 26, and the Lord is with Joshua. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Wow. Wow. An entire nation of over a million people One man's sin. Is your sin personal? I don't believe it is. So Joshua must be, he must be, all right, hold on, Lord, what do I do? How how do I fix this? What what do we need, must we we do a sacrifice? What do we need to do? And the Lord says, no, 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 bring all the clans. Bring all the clans in front of me. I'll show you who it is. We'll draw lots, I'll show you who it is. Sin. So let's read from Joshua 18 to 26. It's a hard read, but let's read what happens here. And he brought near his household, man by man, Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord of Israel and give him praise. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide from me. I just want to just go back here for one second. This wasn't in my notes, but I'm just seeing it now. Do you see that how actually what he's teaching in that thing there is actually saying, as you, as you tell the truth, as you confess, as you're honest, what's he saying to him? What is he doing? He's actually giving glory to God. Honesty and integrity gives glory to God. I didn't see that, but I see it now. Do not hide it from me. Then Joshua, uh, next one, please. And Achan answered Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw amongst the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them, and I took them. And see, they were hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took him out of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all of the people of Israel and laid them down before the Lord. So now he goes and finds everybody. And he says, Everybody gather. Let's assemble together. It brings everyone together. It says, And Joshua and all of Israel took with him, with him, took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold, and his sons, and his daughters and his oxen, and his donkeys, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble upon us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They they burned them with fire and stoned them with stones and they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger, therefore, uh, turned from his burning anger, therefore to this day the name of that valley is the valley of Acre. Acre means trouble, the valley of trouble. That's hectic. When I read it, there was this, this fear of the Lord that overtook my heart. Because you see, I lead you. And I can break open blessing over you or I can break open destruction over you. That's heavy. For the singles yeah, you're just responsible really for you up until this moment. Because now you're seeing that actually I'm not just responsible for me. My sin doesn't end at my door. Actually, it can come into the house and it can bring destruction on me and on my family. It affects us all. And I'm sure that Achan, when he he came into that situation and he saw this stuff, he knew what the command was, he knew what the instruction was, he knew what the right thing to do was. And he looked at it, and I'm sure in his heart there was a conviction say, don't do that. But he scooped it. And now I want to ask you, imagine with me, Imagine with me the feelings. So all of a sudden, the guy's going to battle. You've just defeated Jericho by the sound of a shout. Your men are dying. The army is fleeing. People are like, ooh, and you're going, whoa, hold on. What's happening here? Is it me? And then the elders are gathering, now they're starting to pray, and they're inquiring of the Lord. Imagine now his heart's starting to go a little bit, because you know what sin does, eh? We've all done it. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me first. I know when I've sinned, your heart starts to beat. Elders are gathering. Everyone's kind of going, what's going on? Next minute, we're going, okay, cool. Could every single family, we're going to start with Willem and Chandra. Could every family come and parade in front of me? And the Lord is going to tell me what's happening in your lives. Imagine the angst that's now starting to happen. And it has to come to the point Where Achan is now standing in front of Joshua, and Joshua goes, what have you done? Now I'd like to think, in my heart, I'd like to think, I I haven't studied enough to give you a theology, but I'd like to think that if Achan had taken the stuff, and the army had moved, and he'd listened to the conviction, and gone to Joshua and said, Joshua, actually I'm I'm sorry, eh? I've taken this stuff, I really apologize. Uh, if you need to take my life, take it, but I'm really sorry. I'd like to think maybe the wall wouldn't have been lost. I'd like to think maybe the whole family wouldn't have had to be destroyed if he had just actually chosen a different path. If he had just chosen the path of repentance and actually faced up to his sin and gone, actually what I'm doing is falling short of the glory of God. And let me tell you something, it's no surprise to me when you sin, it's no surprise to you, it should be no surprise to you when I sin because I'm not perfect and neither are you. Can I say that again? It's not a surprise when you fall short. It doesn't surprise God, and it certainly doesn't surprise me. We're all going to fall short. We're always going to, all going to miss the mark. But my encouragement to you is this let's go to 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. You see, we're not Old Testament. Here's the good news. I hope I've taken you through. It's quiet and that's good. I'm glad it's quiet because I want you to feel the weight of this thing. People died because of one person. Korah came against Moses and said, aren't we all priests? Can't we all hear God? Who are you to tell us what to do? And the earth swallowed him up, and about 14,000 other people died because of one guy. I want you to feel the weight of it. But here's the beautiful. Here's the good news. Someone's paid your price. I don't have to parade with Chantel and Tatum and Dane and Connor. And get my dog Lacey and Igor and pull Sassy into this. And then my mommy Jean needs to come. And now I must get my sister Teresa. And they're going to go and find my brother Wayne and his family in, in Belito and bring them down. And get lined up and be shot for my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that set me free from that. Because all I need to do is run to him. All I need to do is run to him. I need to live in the light as he's in the light. And let me tell you something: we can go to each other. This needs to be a community of believers where one John one verse seven is something that we live. It's a, it's a like a tattoo on our heart. That when I fall short, I go to my brother and I confess my sins out of of reverence for Christ. And what does it say? This is the promise. I want to address a clear lie. The enemy is lying to you and I'm going to tell you what he's doing. Get ready, make notes, put your voice calls on, record this. The enemy will tell you when you sin, you cannot confess. Because if you confess, they won't understand you. If you confess, they're going to ostracize you, they're going to discipline you, they're going to hate you, they're going to push you to the back, they're going to put a black spot against your name. That is a lie. It is a lie because the word of God says that as we are in the light, as he's in the light, we have Fellowship with one another. What is that talking about? That's talking about when I've done something that's wrong to you or somebody else and I come to you and go, Jenny, you know what? I've actually, I've done this thing against you. I was at your house and you had this little duck ornament and I just love duck ornaments and as I moved, I scooped it and I put it in my pocket. I'm so sorry. Please would you forgive me? Here's your duck back. Would she... If she's a godly person, and she is a godly person, would she actually go, oh, I forgive you? Or would she go, get out of my house, scoundrel. And then run to everybody else and say, don't let Sean in your house, because he steals. I don't think she would. If we are those who are led by the Spirit of God, the sons of God are those that are led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God says, Come. Come. Come and live in my light. Come and be part of what I have for you, which is forgiveness and mercy and kindness. That's why Jesus died. The law, which you've seen how the law deals with stuff. Family, it's done. Jesus came and fulfilled the law. And he moved us into a dispensation of grace, where grace not only gives us the ability to get free or get forgiveness, but gives us the ability to get free. You see, the grace of the Holy Spirit means I've done that thing wrong, which means He gives me then the strength, the conviction, the power to so the next time I go to Jenny's house, I don't steal a duck. That's grace. It's not grace to go, oh, we'll do whatever you want. But don't just take the duck. There's, a, there's some scoop that thing as well. No, no, no. That's not the grace. The grace of God says, I forgive you. Now, sin no more. Does that make sense? It's good news, this guy's. It's very good news. I don't want my family to die because of my sin. I don't want you to suffer because of my sin. I don't don't want that to happen. So daily I'm getting before the Lord. I'm saying, search me, O Lord, and know me. Is there any wrong ways in me? Show me. And I'll meet with Rian regularly and we'll talk through our lives and we'll talk through our marriage and we'll talk through our finances, and we'll talk through what are our eyes looking at? Where's our money going? What are we doing? Because I have to do it for your sake. And if I get it wrong, do you know what the Bible says about elders? When we get it wrong, when he gets it wrong or I get it wrong, we stand in front of the whole assembly and we confess our sin. You don't have to do that. Luckily, I do. I do. It's a fearful thing, it's a weighty thing, it's something we don't take for granted. I've got to be ruthless and brutal with sin. Sin in my life, sin in your life, is like having a deadly snake just roaming around your house. He's just moving. You don't know where he is. And you've got your kids running around and then you might go for three, three, five, seven, ten years with that snake. And one day is one day. You're going to move the vacuum cleaner and you're going to get a puck. And destruction will come upon your house like a flood. In this house, we cut the head off that snake. Sorry for the snake lovers. That snake is gonna die. And one of the things I've noticed that's just starting to it's starting to, to, to try and show its little head a little bit, just little pockets, is gossip and slander. We're getting loose, Josh and Gordon's Bay, with our tongues. We're getting loose with our tongues. We're way too quick to have something to say about somebody else. I'm going to give you a rule. If you can live by this rule, you'll live a a blessed life. You ready? Get ready. If you can't say it to them, don't say it about them. Simple rule. If anything that you've said in the last week about somebody in this church would make you feel uncomfortable if that person said, Hold on. If I had a conversation about Rian with my wife and all of a sudden my wife comes to me and says to me, sure, do you just want to tell Rian what you said about him on Wednesday at 2 o'clock? And my heart goes, I want to say to you, you've probably gossiped and slandered. You've actually murdered that man's character in, in, in your heart and probably in the heart of the person that you're with. And I'm telling you unequivocally that stops today. We will not be those people that kill other people without a chance for them to respond. If you've done it, stop. Stop it. You're going to kill the life of God in this house. You're going to kill the blessing of God in this house. And it will take your family with you. I'm not shouting. I'm not angry with you. I promise you, I'm not angry with you. I'm pleading with you. Don't let sin reign in your life. Be brutal with that thing, man. It's a deadly snake and it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you, but there's a better way. There's the way of Christ where he comes and he goes, guys, come to me. (laughs) I will give you freedom from your sin. If If you will come to me, I am righteous and just to forgive you and to remember your sin no more. That's the good news, man. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ.